So what I want to do, I want to start with a little review of what we talked about last week, just two points. The first point I want to review is that prayer is communing with God, simply communing with God, being with him. When Jesus paid the price, the ultimate price, to remove the barrier of sin from humanity, he did it because he wanted, God wanted, that reconciliation with his kids. Sin was just the barrier that was in the way. And when sin was removed, then we could have this place of communion with him. And that's what prayer is. Many times we think prayer is getting our needs met, and that's part of it. It absolutely is true that we can pray effectively and, and have needs met. But communing is the first and the most important purpose of prayer. The main thing needs to be the main thing. God's the main thing. And in this prayer time, in this communing time, that's the most important part is just loving on God and letting him love you. Talking to him, fellowshipping with him. My husband and I love to spend time together. God loves to spend time with us. He loves to commune with us. When we make him the main thing, when we literally seek him and his presence, the needs are, are met. Our needs simply are met when we're with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the healer, the provider, our peace, our savior, our, our everything. When we spend time with him, our needs, most of them are already met. It's a byproduct. I talked last week about ministering to God, and I told you what he had spoken to me this last month, and that is that he said, Cindy, yeah, you have a ministry of healing. You minister to people all over the place. But your first ministry should be to me. That kind of took me aback. It's like, oh, Father, I'm so sorry. I've been spending my time not in maybe my priorities. I haven't been right because he said, minister to me first. He didn't say not to minister to other people. But our first ministry is to him. And then I talked a little tiny bit about this prayer, what it might look like, that prayer sandwich thing. It's so simple. I mean, when I sit down and pray, and it's, sometimes, it's, sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 45 minutes. But when I sit down to pray, that's what I do. I just commune with him. I, I just settle in, his, in that place of his presence. And I just talk with him. Or I let him just love on me. I mean, a lot of times there's really not um, an act of, like, okay, I want to pray for this, this, and this. That's not, that's not what it feels like when I pray. In the midst of that prayer time, he often shows me things to pray for. And that's what I pray for. So he brings people to my heart. So if you hear me say, and many of you have, you are on my heart and I prayed for you this morning. That's because God put you on my heart. It's not because I have a little list by my chair and that's who I pray for. So, um, and so, that's, so we, we minister to God. We spend time ministering to him. This is the prayer sandwich. And then... Slide your needs in, your petitions in, and then close your prayer with ministering to him again, worshiping him, praising him, acknowledging who he is, declaring who he is, declaring who you are in him, declaring his word, whatever it is that, that the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart. 
for, this, for that day or for that time. So that's the first thing I wanted to review. The second one is two steps to an effective prayer that avails much. And I know the scripture isn't on the screen, but I just want to read the scripture really quick. I want to refer to James chapter 5, verse 16. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I want to talk about that effective, fervent prayer that avails much. The word avails is dunamis. It's the word that means powerful, miracle-working powerful. So the scripture says this kind of prayer, this effective, fervent prayer is powerful. It's miracle-working. It's this immense, like, dynamic, dynamite, explosive, powerful prayer. And last week I shared two steps to pray that kind of a prayer. Now, this would be a prayer when you have a need or somebody you know has a need. And I don't know about you, but when I pray, I want it to be powerful. When I'm praying for you guys, when I'm praying for myself or my husband or my children, I want it to be powerful. And these are two steps to help us to pray that kind of a powerful prayer. The first step is to acknowledge that it's already completed. Begin to praise and magnify God for the fact that it's already done. Now, in order to know that, it has to be from his word. But if it's something from his word that is a promise, that is a truth, then you, you've got it written in his will. This is his will. This is his perfect will. So healing is his will. Provision is his will. Peace is his will. Joy is his will. The things that you have need of, comfort, is his will. So if it's in his will, you simply start praising him for the work that's already done. Agree with him by declaring his word. Agree with him. Declare his word. Sometimes we call it confessing his word. That's agreeing, simply agreeing with God. Praise the Lord for what his word says he's already done. So that's the first step in the prayer. And as you do that, as you declare his word, as you praise him for the work that he's already done, what you will sense is you'll be getting stronger and stronger and more fervent and more fervent. We're talking about the effectual fervent prayer. You'll just sense your faith quickening. You'll sense the fervency stirring. You, you'll, your, your confidence will grow as you speak the word and as you declare the finished work that's already done. So that's step number one. Then when that faith quickens, that fervency builds, speak to the mountain. That's step two. Speak to the mountain. Speak to whatever it is that the issue is. It might be something in your body. It might be your finances. It might be your what, relationships, whatever. But speak to it. And then... Regardless of what you see, manifest. Regardless of what you don't see, manifest. Believe that you received it when you prayed. So say, it's done. It's done. It's under my feet. It's under Jesus' feet. It's done. So that little two-step effectual prayer, when we pray that, God is a spirit and he moves in the spiritual realm. It often takes a period of time before what God has done in the spiritual manifests in the physical. 
So today's teaching picks up right there. We've, we've prayed the fervent prayer. We've spoken over the body or whatever it is. It's done in the spiritual realm. We are in this process of drawing it from the spiritual realm into the physical realm. What I'm going to teach today, the topic is called spiritual laws that govern faith to receive. There are spiritual laws that literally, just like in nature, there are certain laws like the law of gravity. And when we follow the law, the spiritual laws, it will, it will, I believe, help to bring that thing from the spiritual into the physical. And this is all Bible-based. This isn't Cindy-based. This is Bible-based. This teaching, again, comes from Andrew Walmack from his book, God Wants You Well. If you want to know where the, the fundamental teaching came from. So let me give you an analogy first. This is Andrew's analogy, but it's a good one, so I'm going to share it. Think about electricity. There are laws that govern electricity, and Cindy doesn't know what they are. It does not make sense to me, but they're there. And those, because because somebody understands them and knows how to harness them, we have electricity. So the electric company's job is to generate electricity and then to supply it to us, right? Do we have to call the electric company and say, will you please turn my light switch on? No, that's our job. They generate it. They supply it. But when it gets to us, we have to turn on the switch. We have to plug stuff in. We have to turn it on, whatever. We, that's our part. We don't call them and say, will you please turn on the electricity? Please turn on the light. Please plug in my vacuum. Uh-uh, don't have to do that. In the, the spiritual realm that we're talking about, the prayer realm, God has supplied everything through Jesus. He has supplied healing. He has supplied salvation. He has supplied forgiveness. All of the amazing parts of the gift of grace he has supplied. He has, he has, he has done the work. He has supplied it potentially to all human beings. Our part is to believe it and receive it. Our part, first of all, is to accept Jesus as our Savior. And once we've accepted Jesus as our Savior, it is supplied to us. It's like the electricity is turned on. However, the mistake we make in prayer, the mistake people make in prayer, is that they do that thing where they call the electric company and ask them to turn the light switch on. But we do it in prayer. We say, God, will you fix this? Will you do this? Will you do that? But God's already done it. It's already been supplied. We just need to turn the switch on. So the teaching that I'm teaching today about these spiritual um, laws that govern faith are, are, will help us to turn the switch on. It will help us to cooperate with God by faith, to plug in, to turn on the switch. Okay, so here we go. Law number one. A lot of these are going to sound really familiar, but you're going to see at how impactful they are in that fervent, effectual prayer. Number one, faith comes by hearing. I think that this is the way we plug in. You know, when, when, I, when we were uh, using the electricity example, you have to plug in a vacuum before you can even turn the switch on. This is how we plug in to, to faith. This is how we plug in. It's by hearing truth. 
Romans 10:17, very common scripture. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. So we're going to pray a prayer, an effectual prayer. But in order to receive the benefit of the prayer, we need faith. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Many of us have those little scripture books, those little healing scripture books like we have on the back table. And we, we use those to hear the Word, to take scriptures that have been collected about healing and to declare those words of healing. Or maybe you've got your own scriptures on cards or maybe you've got them on, I don't know, computer printouts or whatever. But you've got those scriptures and you meditate on them. And they're, they're helpful. They're really, really helpful. But let me tell you what they don't do. Those scriptures, declaring those scriptures out loud doesn't make God move. When we declare those scriptures, we don't do it to get God to heal us. He's already done that. The reason that we declare those healing scriptures is to know that God has healed us. That's the faith part. Remember, we're drawing, we're praying a prayer and then we're drawing the result of that prayer from the spiritual into the natural. And that happens by hearing God's word, by declaring his word, by declaring his promises. So we study the word to find out that God has already healed us. We declare his word to calm our fears. You see, when we declare his word, our faith rises. Our faith is energized. Our faith is uh, stirred. And when faith is stirred like that, fear is minimized. Fear and faith are opposite forces. So as you declare his word, your fear will be calmed if there's fear that you're dealing with. And thirdly, your faith will be anchored. It's like securing it. Instead of being just floating out there, kind of wobbly, kind of not so sure, it'll be anchored. The the word of God will just draw it and anchor it together. Okay, the next thing I want to say about faith comes by hearing We're talking about effectual prayer. We're talking about praying that effectual prayer and then seeing the results. One of the things that can get in the way of results is demonic opposition. Here's some good news. God is greater than the devil. God is greater than the devil. But Satan can hinder our prayers if we cooperate and give the enemy authority to do so. Now here's some good news. We're going to look at a scripture, Revelations 12:11. Um, open my Bible. Revelations 12:11. Look at what it says. It says, this is a pretty common scripture as well. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. This is referring to the enemy. This is referring to Satan. It says they overcame him by two things. The blood of the lamb, that's Jesus. Jesus defeated the enemy. And the word of their testimony. We're talking about the power of hearing the word of God. The word of God is the testimony of Jesus. When we read what Jesus did, when we read the accounts of healing that Jesus did, 
We're reading the testimony. That's powerful. Our own testimony is also powerful. When we meditate on our testimony or other testimonies of Jesus, it's, it uh, rises our expectation. It just builds it right up. But we overcome the devil. We overcome demonic opposition. With the word, this is one of the ways. If you want to know how to get the devil out of your way, this is one of the biggest ways. Get your eyes off the devil and get your eyes on God and his word. And you'll be built up in demonic opposition. You'll have to cower. So there's power in hearing the word to remove demonic opposition. The third point I want to make is that this renewing of your mind, because this is what we're talking about, taking the word, meditating on the word, studying the word, declaring the word, what you're doing is you're renewing your mind. It is, I believe, the most potent thing we can do to draw from the spiritual realm and to bring it into the physical realm. When we pray that powerful, effective prayer, that declaring of the word is going to be the biggest bang for the buck that you can do. So that's the first spiritual law. Spiritual law number two. Oh, I want to read the scripture first. Sorry. This is Proverbs 4. This is just too good. I don't want to forget this. Proverbs 4. I love it too, Sherry. (laughs) Okay. Verse 20. My son or my daughter, attend to my words. Consent and submit to my sayings. The word consent means agree. The word submit is yield. Agree with me, God says. Pay attention to my word. Agree with me. Yield to me. Let not my words depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. So God is saying, this is for you, girl. This is for you. But he's saying, don't let go. Pay attention. Hold on to my word. Keep it, keep it, keep it in your heart. And then the result is they are life. My word is life to those who find them. Healing and health to all their flesh. We're talking about the fervent prayer of a righteous man. That, that right there is a promise to hold on to. Keep the word. It's medicine. Keep the word. It is healing and health to all your flesh. So if you have a physical need or any other need, when you keep that word in the center of your heart, it is medicine for you. Okay, now we're going to move to law number two. Speak with faith. The first one was to hear. Faith comes by hearing. And the second one is our words. The words that we speak have a huge impact on drawing the answer, on drawing the effectiveness of our prayer from the spiritual realm into the natural realm. I'm going to look at a biblical example. This is Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood. I'm going to read two verses, and they both, actually these two verses um, are the first two laws that we're talking about. Verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the throng and touched his garment. So here's the woman with the issue of blood. The first thing she did was she heard. She heard the reports. She... She heard about Jesus, the healer. She heard what was going on when Jesus was in the multitudes and people were getting healed. I'm just 
I'm just imagining what she must have heard. We don't know exactly what she heard. But whatever it was, it caused her to take action. She was drawing from the spiritual realm into the physical. She heard first. And then, verse 28, For she kept saying, If I only touch his garments, I shall be restored to health. She was speaking words of faith. First she heard it, she started to take action, and then she kept saying. I like the amplified, because it doesn't say she said it. It says she kept saying it. She kept saying, if only I can touch his garment, I'll be healed. That's what the second law is. Speak. Keep saying that thing that you expect to happen. Keep speaking it. Proverbs 18.21 is a uh, familiar scripture about the power of our words. This is the message version. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Mm -hmm. So our words are powerful. With our words, we can release life. And with our words, we can release death. We need to recognize that there's power in our words, not only Positive, but also negative. So we, also, we always like the positive part. But there's also neg- there can be negative effect to our words. So let's go back to my, um, my example of the effective prayer, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man. If you pray that prayer, you declare God's word that's finished. You, um, you, you speak his word. You agree with him by declaration. You praise him for who he is and what he did. And then you speak to the mountain, and then you go off and you start speaking negative, 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 negative. Instead of drawing from the spiritual to the natural, you're canceling it out. So speak in faith. So speak in faith like the woman with the issue of blood. If only I can touch his garment, I know I will be healed. What you say affects what you believe. That statement right there is enough to go home on. What you say affects what you believe. God's part is finished. Our part is believing. What we speak affects what we believe. So speak faith-filled words. Speak what the Word of God says about you. Mm. This is another one of those huge ways that you respond in faith and draw from the spiritual realm into the natural realm. Okay, law number three. Since God has already done his part, we need to exercise our authority as believers and speak to the mountain and command the situation to change. This is another thing that we don't always see in the world. People pray to God, but they don't speak to the problem. They speak to God. They pray to God. But God says, I, I can't turn your electricity on. I supplied the power. You need to flip the switch. And this is the flipping of the switch. He did his part. Our part is to speak to the mountain. And I'm going to show you that in the Bible. Mark 11. Father, I just pray right now that so many things we've talked about, they come together. And, and, and just with clarity, Father, with clarity, that the, the, the prayer that we pray can be accentuated, can be accelerated 
as we get in line with these spiritual laws that govern our faith. So I just pray, Father, that this just comes together and, and, and totally um, just settles in our heart, and gives us deeper revelation, a new revelation in Jesus' name. Thank you. So Mark 11, verse 20 says, Jesus is talking to his apostles and he says, have faith in God. So we're talking about faith. And as soon as he says, have faith in God, this is what he says. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And that word receive is actually take. Believe that you have taken them and you will have them. So when Jesus speaks about faith, he says, have faith in God. The very first thing he says is speak to the mountain. He doesn't say have faith in God. Ask God to move the mountain and believe it. That's not what he says. He says, speak to the mountain and tell it to move and believe that it will. Because God's already done his part. And he's told us, he's given us authority as believers. So speak to your problems, speak to the disease, speak to your body, speak to the pain. The Bible says to speak to our problem, but most of us speak to God about our problem. Instead of speaking to the problem, most people speak to God about the problem. We need to reverse it. Mm. Thank you, Father God. Mm. I just want to share a couple things with you. This this is just a fun way to pray. I heard this... um, I don't remember where I heard it, but it was really good, and I wrote it down. So I've used it a few times. And what I'm going to do now, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pray for a couple of things right now. And I'm going to do what I just said. I'm going to speak to the body, and I'm going to tell the body about God. Instead of talking to God about the body, I'm going to talk to the body, and I'm going to tell the body about what God's done. So um, <clears throat> is there anybody in here that's... Um, hmm? Let's, let's do something right now that is like a body part, like eyes or ears or knees. Does anybody have anything going on in their body? Knees? Okay. We're going to pray for you, Patty, right now. Stand up. <clears throat> I'm going to speak to her knees. <laughs> and you can do this with any body part. You might want to write this down because this is a really fun way to pray. I'm going to speak to those knees right now, Patty. Knees, I'm speaking to you. And I'm telling you, knees... That by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. In the mighty name of Jesus, it's done. I'm going to lay hands on him too while I'm at it. <laughs> Knees, I'm speaking to you, and I'm telling you something. By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. Amen. 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 So we simply tell your knees or tell that body part what Jesus did. Okay, here's another one. Does anybody have a disease that their doctor says that they are fighting? What is the rheumatoid? rheumatoid? Okay, we're going to speak to that. Okay, Tim, 
Actually, I'm not talking to Tim. I'm talking to the disease. Rheumatoid arthritis, I have a message for you. The blood of Jesus has defeated you. Yeah. So I'm just going to speak it again. Rheumatoid arthritis, I have a message for you. The blood of Jesus has defeated you. Amen. 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 So literally you speak to the body part or you speak to the disease and you tell it what God did. Oh, I bet we could do that too. Okay, let's put relationship in here. Okay, should we say, um, uh, uh, okay, is it like a salvation thing? No, it's just a broken relationship. Okay. Okay. So we can just put that same thing. Broken relationship, damaged relationship. I've got a message for you. The blood of Jesus has taken care of it. The blood of Jesus has defeated you. Yeah. Amen. 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 Okay. Amen. Law number four. Faith without corresponding actions is dead. Would you turn with me to James 2? James 2, verse, verse 17. So also faith, if it does not have works, deeds and actions of obedience to back it up, by itself is destitute of power, inoperative, dead. So I want to just stop here for a minute. It says, it says here basically that we're talking about faith again. Faith is believing. God's part is done. It's completed. Our part is to believe. This scripture says faith, if it doesn't have works or actions of obedience to back it up, all by itself is destitute of power, inoperative or dead. So I was meditating on that this week. And I was thinking, God, help me to, help me to explain this. Help me to, to, to make this make sense. Because it's not about works. It's not about doing works, 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 and then because of those works, your faith rises up and you receive. It's, that's backwards. And so I, the best example I could give you is an example of, of um, love with a spouse. And like at the very beginning of, of a marriage, you get married, and you, make, and you do your wedding vows, and you speak the promises of love to one another. But that's only a one-time thing. You know, Kent and I have been married for 36 years almost. That was a long time ago. But he has continued to show me evidence of his love for all of those years. The actions of his love back up the vows. They prove his love for me. But if he just made those vows and didn't have those actions of love, I might not believe he loves me. I probably wouldn't believe he loves me. It's, it's like that with faith and the works that go along with faith. When you believe, when you believe God at his word, you're going to act like it's real. And if you don't act like it's real, are you really believing so let me give you an example. When you're praying for, for, when you're not just praying, when you are standing in faith for healing, we need to act healed. If you pray for healing, if you, I, I'm wrong word, 
if you believe God for healing, if you're praising God that he's the healer, that it's a done deal, and then you look and act and sound and, you know, you're just sick all over the place, your, your actions aren't backing up your faith. Now, you need to use wisdom. Of course you need to use wisdom. And you need to get rest and all that kind of thing. And, and take care of your physical body and do the things in the natural that you can do. But there are little things that you can do to look healed, like smile. Mm-hmm. Like get up and take a shower. Um, you know, just do your best to continue to live in, an, in a normal way. I just think it's so easy to get into that whole thing of, of um, you know, not going out and, and just, you know, just not taking care of yourself. And you just get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the, the, the sickness instead of getting out. I have to give you an example right now that I am just, I haven't even told Kent this yet. It just blesses me so much. There's a woman who we've been ministering to. Her name is Mary. And... Um, I don't usually share stories when somebody's having a rough time because I wait till I have the full testimony. But I have a little piece of it, so I'm going to share it. So Mary um, had been um, coming here, and she was doing really well, and then she took a turn for the worse. Um, she had been, the original diagnosis was stomach cancer, and she was completely healed. She was completely healed. And then she had a recurrence. And um, uh, she had... I'm not going to give all the details, but one of the details is that it it, uh, uh, metastasized in her esophagus, so she wasn't able to swallow, Mm -hmm. and she um, had to have a feeding tube. So this woman was going through a lot, a lot. Let me tell you, she was acting healed. She wasn't acting sick. Every time I talk to her, every time I see her, she's got a smile on her face. She's outdoors in this beautiful sunshine. She's taken walks. She's got a bag because she had to have a colostomy. And she's got a feeding tube. And she's outside walking in this beautiful weather. She's got grandbabies, lovely grandbabies, and they're there. And she's sitting on the floor playing with them. She's acting healed. So then I get a text from her yesterday. Ken, I didn't even share this. This is the part that I didn't share with you. This just blessed the heck out of me. Um, oh, I hope I can find it. I should have had it open. I've got a lot of texts. The good news is I get a lot of texts and good reports. Well, I can just tell it to you because I, I don't know. Oh, here it is. Okay. This was yesterday. I'm eating pot roast, mashed potatoes, and carrots. (laughs) Praise God. She was in the hospital going home soon, and I'm just praising. I'm literally yelling through the phone, yay, God. And she said, a miracle overnight after praying with you. I prayed with her the night before. The next day she was eating mashed potatoes, pot roast, and carrots. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. But the reason I wanted to share that testimony, when I talked to her that day, I, I couldn't believe that, I mean, I told Kent, she sounded amazing. She was so strong. She was so uh, uplifting to me. She was doing this number law number four. She was acting healed. 
She was talking healed. She was thinking healed. She was acting healed. And the result is she was eating pot roast the next day. And she hadn't eaten in I don't know how long, probably a month. She hadn't had any food down her throat. But healed. She is healed in Jesus' name. She is healed. So these works that we're talking about, that James um, 2.17 talks about, they don't produce faith. But if you already have faith, it won't be complete until you act on it. Just like Kent can say he loves me, but if he doesn't show me he loves me, then it's, it's questionable whether he really does. So when we have faith, when we have faith in God, are we acting like it? Law number five. <clears throat> Excuse me. It takes focus and commitment to receive from God. This is a good one. Think about the woman with the issue of blood once again. It takes focus and commitment. She was focused. She was committed. She had gone through so many years of, of medical treatment. She had spent all that she had. She, you know, she'd done everything. And then she said, okay, I'm at the end of my rope. There's nothing else I can do. I am going to believe my God. I am going to go to Jesus. I'm going to go for it. And she did. She did everything. She had to crawl through the crowds, the masses of people to get to the hem of his robe, but she wasn't going to stop. She wasn't supposed to be out there. She wasn't supposed to be in public. She was supposed to be yelling unclean. She had the potential of being stoned for what she did, but she chose to do it anyway. She was committed. She went full force for Jesus. Are you going full force for Jesus? Are you going full force for your healing? Are you committed? Don't be wimpy. Don't be wimpy. We have to be tough. And, and it's at those times when you don't feel like being tough that you need to be the toughest. You need, be, need to be the, I keep thinking of the word bulldog. We need to be bulldogs of faith and not let go. Or snapping turtles. <laughs> Grab on and don't let go. Be committed. Be, be, be uh, ag- aggressive. Be assertive. I love my husband. He's an amazing man. But sometimes I just want him to get mad at the devil. He's so sweet. You know how sweet he is. Sometimes he's too sweet when he's, when he's not feeling well. You know, and it's like, Kent, come on, get mad. You know, and, that's, and I'm not just picking on Kent. I'm using him because I can use him for an example, and I can't use you guys for an example. But we both, you probably kind of figured out, we've both been fighting little bugs since we... A lot of our ministry team has since we um, got back from the, the big rapids thing. And it's like, no, this has no right. So we just, it's like, we've been getting kind of mean. The enemy. Okay, so this is a good scripture to stand on for this one. It takes focus and commitment to receive from God. Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 13. Here's God's promise. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. Just sit and meditate on that for a minute. That's awesome. God says, I have it all figured out. I've got everything done. I've got it all planned. The future you hope for, Michelle, it's yours. The health we hope for, the the health, the wholeness, the fullness of life, It's done. He's got it planned. But then here's our part. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, 
I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree. But the, <laughs> the point is, are we pursuing God like that? Like, it's the most important thing in our life. He is the most important thing in our life. He's got everything for us. But that focus, that commitment is another one of those powerful spiritual laws when we're talking about an effective prayer, drawing it from the spiritual realm into the natural realm and seeing the result. The commitment, the focus is a powerful aspect of that. Law number six. Unforgiveness can short-circuit the power of God. So all of the things we've been talking about so far are things that we can do to receive that power. This is one that can short-circuit the power, like electricity. If you've got something out there that's short-circuiting your system, you need it fixed. We just got that mic fixed finally. (laughs) I don't know if that has to do with electricity, but there was a short-circuit, and now it's fixed. Unforgiveness is a short-circuit. In receiving from God. So let's look at a couple of scriptures. This is not a teaching on unforgiveness. But being this is a big deal, I wanted to make sure this was part of the teaching. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. This is Matthew 18. This is a scripture I've shared before. It's a parable about the forgiving servant. And in this parable, the good master forgives a huge debt. And then this is at the end of the scripture when the man who is forgiven so much refuses to forgive somebody else a small amount. Verse 32, then his master called him and said to him, you contemptible and wicked attendant, I forgave and canceled all that great debt of yours because you begged me to. And should you not have had pity and mercy on your fellow attendant as I had pity and mercy on you? And in wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers, the jailers, until he should pay all that he owed. So also my heavenly father will deal with every one of you if you do not freely forgive your brother from your heart his offenses. And again, this isn't, I'm not going to go into great depth, but the end result of unforgiveness is opening a door to the enemy opening door to that demonic opposition. We don't want demonic opposition in the way of our prayers being powerful. And it says here in the scripture, it it says that he was turned over to the torturers. That's basically the demonic opposition. And I just want to give you that one little nugget that I shared when I taught unforgiveness, and that is that Jesus gives justice. I'm sorry, Jesus gives mercy. Jesus gives mercy. Mercy means that he doesn't make us pay what we owe. He paid it for us. It did get paid for. But he paid for it. We don't have to. But in this parable, the guy was given mercy, but then he demanded justice. And justice is when you make the person pay for it themselves. You can't have mercy and demand justice. You can have mercy and give mercy. So when we receive mercy, we need to give mercy by forgiving others. 
or we end up cutting ourselves off from God's part. You don't want to short circuit your prayers. Hebrews 12:15 is another scripture that talks about this torment. Exercise foresight. This is 12:15 from the Amplified. Exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another, to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing. So before I continue, this is saying, the scripture so far (coughs) is saying to be careful. Be careful that you don't fail to secure God's grace, that you don't mess up somehow in attaining the benefit Of God's grace. And then it goes on and it says how that could happen. In order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment. And many become contaminated and defiled by it. Did we have the wrong scripture? Oops. Sorry. No, it's Hebrews 12:15. I usually Kent and I double check with the scriptures, and I didn't do it, so I take I take responsibility for that. I probably wrote down the wrong number. Um, so the the point is, let me read it one more time. Exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another, to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace, His unmerited favor and spiritual blessing. In order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment. So the the bottom line is we can uh, uh, affect how we receive the amazing grace of God, the end result of what Jesus already did, it's already done. If we get in that place of torment with bitterness, unforgiveness, etc., So forgiveness is a very big deal in receiving the answers of our prayers. Just letting go. There's something out there, and we're we're there to help you. We're there if you have something you would like us to pray with you about. The forgiveness is a choice. It doesn't have to have a a huge, like, um, feeling that goes with it, because you may not have that. You may not have this sense of, I totally forgive, it's okay. But if you make the choice to forgive and let that person go and cancel the debt that they owed you, that's what forgiveness is. And any one of our ministry team can help lead you through that if you would like to do that with us. Okay, the last one, law number seven. This is a good one. Faith works by love. Faith works by love, knowing the love of God. Galatians chapter 5. Faith works by love. Oh, Father, thank you. 5 verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Okay, so this scripture has two parts, and there's a comma in the middle. The first part says, for in Christ Jesus, for those of us who are in Christ, that's me, that's you, if you're a believer, for those of us who are in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. The word avails is power, 
force, extraordinary deeds. Hmm. So this says that if you're in Christ, that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is the power that does anything. I'm just going to paraphrase it my way. If I'm really, really holy, or if I'm really, really not, it doesn't, that, that doesn't have any power over receiving stuff from God. My holiness doesn't matter. My lack of holiness doesn't matter. My sinfulness. But, and then there's a but. This is what does matter. Faith working through love. Faith working through love. The word working is operative. Faith operates through love. And that love is agape. Agape love. God's kind of love. God is love. Faith works through love. When we grow in our understanding of the love of God, our faith will work. Our faith will work. When we understand how much God loves you, and when that, that, lo- that knowledge of his love begins to grow, and you might not know it all. We, know, we probably don't know it all. I just want to know it more and more and more and more and more. And the more we know, the more our faith works. We're talking about that effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, availing much, being miracle working. It works through knowing his love. So, seven spiritual laws that will help you to see more effectiveness in your prayers. Last week we talked about kind of the how-to of the, like the words you speak and the, the scripture that you pray and, and that kind of thing. Today we're looking at, at the spiritual laws that can draw that right in to the natural realm. So I just want you to visualize this for a minute. Just close your eyes and just visualize this. We are God's kids, and he loves us. And because we're God's kids, he has gifted us this amazing gift of grace with everything, everything that he desires for us in that package. And I see it as this this blinding light just of goodness, of everything that I, that, that I need and want and he wants for me. What we've talked about today is accessing that light. What I, we've talked about last week and today is accessing that gift and drawing it from that light into our life, into our bodies, into our relationships, whatever it is that you need, just drawing it in. So, Father, I pray right now that revelation would get more and more secure, more and more founded on truth, and that the result would be gaining, gaining access more and more and drawing from the spiritual realm and just seeing it manifest in our lives. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. 
We thank you for your love. Our faith works through your love. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So what-